0: One thing I will say is people will still go to Afronation. They will still go they will still go to, to Afronation twenty twenty one. You will see people who will argue in the comments there with their tokens into um different songs. Hey guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't alert The Stands. You're here today with your host Eads McKenzie and...
1: Nicholas Terrell.
0: And Shopper. And thank God it's the weekend because it has been a crazy week. Um, a lot has been going on politically um, and in the wider world, but musically a lot has been going on as well. How are you two doing?
1: Um, yeah, I'm all good. Like, the weather is being consistent, so that's a good thing. Um, yeah, apart from that, I think music's been... It's been a busy-ish kind of week Um, which we'll get into obviously, but yeah, generally been a good, calm kind of week for me.
0: And you shopping?
2: Um, yeah, it's been calm. It's been, I'm well. Yeah. You know.
0: Okay. That's good. (laughs) Everyone seems so silent today. Um, I would say for me, it's been a very good week. I feel like I've fully recovered from that hay fever, whatever it was thing that I had um, a few days ago. Um, so I'm feeling very good, but obviously with what's going on in the wider world, it's a bit stressful. Um, but yeah, let's get into some music lessons. So Shoppe, do you want to do your thing? So
2: um, so before we get into the lessons, I'm going to do a um, Respecting Legends tribute to Betty Wright, who uh, passed away last Saturday at the age of 66 from cancer. So she died not long after the news about Andre Harrell and Neil Richard. So it was just like a triple whammy of tragedy in the world of music um last weekend. And this like the other two was very upsetting for me. I love Betty Wright. Uh so for those who don't know, she's a, a soul singer who was most prominent in like the late seventies and the early eighties. And while she did have a few hits of her own, like Clean Up Woman, No Pain, No Gain, she's kind of best known for I guess how her music has been sampled over the years. So, a lot of her songs have been sampled famously by like the likes of Beyonce, Major Blige, Chance the Rapper, SWV, Lil Wayne. It's a kind of like You may not know her, but she's kind of in the shadows. But she was a really, really, really talented singer, really great artist. She was kind of responsible partially for ushering in in the popularisation of funk music in the late 60s and the early 70s. And she also was one of the first mainstream vocalists to start employing the whistle register alongside um, Minnie Ripperton before, you know, it became what we now know it's day by uh, Mariah Carey. But my introduction to her... Before I knew who her music was, I knew that her because she wrote and produced quite a bit on Joss Stone's first two albums. Like I said, she's kind of been a mentor to a lot of younger artists, so Joss Stone, Danny e. Kane, Kelly Rowland, D J Khaled. So that was my introduction to her, and then over time I discovered her own her own music. And while I'm I'm here, I was going to point out that. She was the first woman to have a gold album on her own independent label. So I can't remember who she was signed to, but she was signed to it for many years. Then like in the 80s, she had a big comeback with No Pain No Gain. And that was the first um, gold album by a woman on an independent release label. But yeah, I just want to shout out to her because I'm uh, very, very sad. And um, I highly recommend her Danger High Voltage album from 1974. That's probably my favourite Betty Wright album. And also her album with The Roots, actually. So I, I mentioned a few weeks ago how Al Green had an album produced by The Roots. She too, her, her very last album, actually, from 2011, was produced by The Roots. It was called Betty Wright's The Movie. And that was an incredible album, really incredible album. I recommend that. But for those who are never heard of her, I guess some of her most obvious songs to start with would be Clean Up Woman, Babysitter, Let Me Be Your Lovemaker, Secretary, Where Is The Love... Tonight's Tonight, which is my favourite song. And then Girls Can't Do What The Guys Do, which was famously sampled in Beyonce's Upgrade You. So that opening introduction is from her song. And also um, Clean Up Woman was sampled in Chance the Rapper's favourite song. So think Chance the Rapper fans. So um, yeah, I just want to send my condolences to Bayright's family and friends and fans across the world. She will be missed. And I implore you all to do Google, so go and research her, go stream her music because she was definitely a very, very underrated gem. She was very much loved by her peers, but like I said, she wasn't necessarily a massive star in the in the 70s and 80s, but check her out. And also, before we uh, get into the listens, so I didn't know this until it happened, but yesterday was the 30th anniversary of my girl, Mariah Carey. Her debut single came out 30 years ago yesterday, which is insane, which is mad. And I was like, oh, wow. So yesterday, 30 years ago, was essentially, the, was not, well, not essentially, it was the beginning of her career and the start to one of the most, I guess, influential music artists of all time. And that song is just, yeah. I was playing it a lot yesterday and watching a few performances from when she first came out. And I was just like, wow, she has come a long ass way. And it's just crazy to say that she's 30 years deep like 20 years is, is a big thing but when you hear the word then the number 30 it's like wow 30 years and um, she did a really nice tweet and instagram with some throwback pictures and videos from when she first came out which were really exciting for me as a lamb i just want to shout out to my girl and many of your faves would not be the same if vision, Lo- vision of love had not come out you can ask them they'll say the same thing but now we have a, a voicemail from a listener <laughs> hi guys how's it going what was your favorite drop this week and i would love to know why that answer to that question is do it by chloe and Halley. so now we're gonna get into our listens eden
0: um so with regards to that voice note they asked what the main listen for the week was or what the main drop for the week was i don't know like i don't know if i i would say i've really taken it in but i will say that i was very impressed by the latest release by um chloe and Halley. I do think it's going to be a very interesting album for them um, when it is released and possibly push them further into into their lane um, and where they're supposed to be. I do see a lot of people are kind of criticizing them at the moment, which I'm finding fairly interesting, but I'm very impressed by the video. Um, I don't know when it was recorded, but it seems like they did focus on social distancing and stuff but it, it was a very very interesting video and I do see the kind of Beyonce touch to the vocals the performance and all of it so I am very excited for their music now and that's from someone who wasn't really paying attention to them like that just not, not. Because it wasn't really on my radar, really. But yeah, I'm very, very impressed. Um, And thank you for the question as well. With regards to what I've been listening to, it's been a very, very um, quiet week. So I've been watching more movies and listening to music lately. I will say um, what I have been impressed by, more so than kind of like sat down and listened to thoroughly, was Little Sims's project. So if you didn't know, Little Sims dropped a project on May the 6th, and it's called Drop Six. Um, and for American listeners, because um, I know we're getting increasingly a lot more of you, Little Sims is an artist from the UK. Um, I can't remember what part of the UK she's from. That's my fault. Um, but she's an incredible artist. She released a great project last year and um, won an award for it as well and was nominated for an award as well. Um, and it's something I would definitely recommend a lot of people get into. Most Deaf is someone who loves her music. Um, Naomi Campbell shouted her out recently. Um, Kendrick Lamar, and quite a few other artists as well. She is very, very good at what she does. Um, and this, I think it's an EP. I'm not sure if it's an album. Um, yeah, it's an EP because it's a single on Spotify. It was very, very good. And it's more braggadocio um, than what I'm used to listening from her. But I'm not going to say I've listened to the whole album because being transparent, I haven't. But there is one song on there and it's the very first song, which I'm very impressed by. It's her literally just, just talking about herself and how good she is. And honestly... From the caliber of how she's rapping, from the beat to her lyrics and everything, it's she deserves to speak like that. She is probably one of the best artists in the UK when it comes to the rap game at the moment. Very underappreciated, um, and very very talented. So I'll definitely recommend you guys listen to that song. I can't recommend the full project like I said because I haven't actually sat down and taken it all in. Um, but the first song is called "Might Bang Might Not." very very good song um, so take a listen to it let us know what you think at D-A-T-S-P-O-D that's Twitter Instagram Vero and everywhere um, next I want to talk about a project I wasn't really feeling um, so Adunsi, the Engine he dropped a project recently called Everything You Heard is True and it's it's quite experimental. It's not really like the alté type sound that we're used to. It's slightly more experimental in the production that he uses. And I'm not really sure I'm a fan of it right now. I might need to sit with it for a bit longer. There are a few songs on there that are nice. Um, like I said previously, the first song, Love Is A Mosh Is Alright. Sorry, no, sorry, it's New Finesse that I like the second song on that project. But overall, I'm not sure I really enjoy it. Um, I need to sit with it for a bit longer. So yeah, that's a dancey. The engine, everything you heard is true. And then finally, I was just kind of going back and just I'm I'm more of a listening to older things and new things at the moment. And I sat with Free TC by Ty Dolla Sign for a bit this week and I was just thinking about his career and everything and a few of the conversations we've had about Ty Dolla Sign as an independent artist versus a future artist and where he's supposed to sit or where he kind of excels. And like I do understand the argument for. Um, him being better as a feature than as a single artist but i i must say free tc is an amazing project and i I have said this before um but when i sat with it for a bit and some of the the songs on there like horse in the stable i love that song um and although he can't he couldn't release a video for it because it was quite misogynistic um it's a very 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 fun song to listen to i'll be completely honest and um he does exactly what he's supposed to do he kind of slowed it down a bit and he showed off on his vocals more but yeah, if you haven't heard Free TC yeah, I don't know what you're doing. Um, it's a project that was focused around his brother um, who is called TC, who went to prison. And on this album, he talks about his love for LA. He talks about a lot of things on here, like his his relationships. It's very braggadocio as he usually is, um, like with songs with Wavy and West Side, where he talks more about like the West Side of America, like LA and places like that. Very, very good album. If you haven't heard it, like I said, listen to it um if you have heard it go back to it um but yeah that's me that's what I listen to
1: so for me I listened to um four things that I want to talk about um I also listened to um Adonzi's tape and I had a different view I kind of liked it in terms of what he's experimenting in I will say I don't know what this and the last project he released is building to in terms of his next album which will be his sophomore set but i did like the experimentation that was on his project i've actually been addicted to that new finesse song body count which is really in terms of like nigeria and stuff i know native wrote about it this week it challenges conventions about women and what they're meant to do in terms of like sex and all of that kind of stuff just because culturally obviously in some pockets over there women are seen to obviously be they should be seen to be Uh, conventionally like submissive all of that kind of stuff but the newer generation in the alto world are kind of rebelling against that and it was it was really nice to hear some women on the track um such as Ray and others just really talk their shit essentially and kind of build to how the west has been kind of talking about this kind of stuff for years and um and there's a there's a lot of artists doing that uh lady Donnell, load load just loads of people um in that scene but i think i like the sound i like it's different i could hear travis on like new finesse for example it it sounds like obviously he's inspired by that kind of style of sound i don't feel like he's chasing a trend personally i feel like he's managed to incorporate it quite well with um a lot of other experimental sounds on there loads of percussion instruments on there too um and that's what made the core kind of middle to end part of it more cohesive to me than the start but yeah I did I did enjoy it um I don't know what he's going to do stylistically next I don't know if he's going to try and meld what was on his first album with this this kind of EP but um yeah it's interesting just to see the the Alte world really um experiment with their sounds which brings me on to World who is another Alte slash Afro beats. Um, an Afro pop artist just melds all those worlds together, really. Um, and I've kind of been a fan of his ever since the last release he dropped, which was with Sars, a prolific kind of producer, and they made an amazing, amazing Afro beats, an Afro beats inspired project called "I Love Girls with Trouble." Absolutely no flaws on there. Loved every single track. So I was was really looking forward to his latest release, which dropped, um, I believe it was yesterday. This release for me, I've listened to it about five times now. And I think... It's called Afro Soul and I think it's not as good as the last tape, but I still appreciate his sound. I think it's very rhythmic. It's more mid- rhythmic than the last release that he did. It's very fast paced. There's funk influence in there. There's obviously the conventional Afrobeat stuff on there. I love a song called Love Nobody. It's the one that's standing out for me a lot. And he said he's influenced in terms of his vocals um, by soul and that, that kind of genre as well. So I can definitely hear more vulnerable aspects of his voice. And I I just love the way he uses his voice. He's gonna he's gonna be huge in my opinion out of the scene. He is already huge on domestic territory, but um I think he has a real chance of breaking through. And I've spoken to some people about that too. So yeah, I I love that. I love the project. Love nobody is the standout, and then I'd say the second song that kind of springs to mind is um can't come outside which is the penultimate track on the seven track set it's only 25 minutes if you get the chance to listen to it definitely give it a play because i think it's the soundtrack to kind of spring stroke summer moving on i will move to new york and i'll move to this artist called Melly. i think i've spoken about her on the show before a couple seasons back but she is signed to Tory Lanez's imprint and she released a song which is quite different to her last EP which was called Phases. That was released late last year. And this song is called BDE. It is heavily drill inspired. Um, uh, and I think it's produced by London on the track A Murder Beats which pr- obviously huge producers out there, huge producers within the upcoming drill scene um, in the States as well. And I think... You can really tell that she's been mentored and guided by Tory Lanes, even in her cadence. Um, I was speaking to a couple of people about this last night and just how she ends her ends some of her lines, some of her bars and all of that kind of stuff. I think she's always brought the aggression on tracks. Literally, there's no track that I've listened to personally that I don't feel her on the track it doesn't feel like a throwaway it doesn't feel like a filler and she's bilingual she she obviously raps in spanish as, as well as um as well as english as well uh, and she resides in harlem but yeah i think she rides the drill beat quite well when i first pressed play and heard it was about to be a drill track in the in the build up to her first verse i was kind of like what the hell? because she, she kind of resides in the realms of conventional hip-hop and r&b melodic styled kind of rap cuts as well but on BD, she yeah, she just she really embodies it, and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it's forced once you finish the the two minutes and however many seconds it is. Obviously, upcoming rapper Smooth L features on this, which is another again strong force out there in the states. Someone who's doing incredible things with that 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 upcoming drill scene. If you didn't know, Pop Smoke's album's obviously coming out next month, which marks a huge kind of build up across the spring from record labels such as Interscope, Sony, all of that, just signing drill artists and making them release projects and stuff like that. So Chef G just dropped yesterday too, which was another good release. But um, yeah, I just think draw's having a really good moment here in the UK and in the States as well. So yeah, I don't know if Melly's going to stay in drill, It'd be drill inspired, but I'm liking what she's doing and, and it's... It's really cool. And just while we're on Drill, J- JB made it, um, actually on Drake's project, made the Billboard Hot 100 this week. So that's that's incredible as well with Demons. So yeah, just big, big moments for Drill. I will move on into the last, the last one of my, the things I'm going to talk about this week. Trophy Red and Party Next Door released a single called Excitement yesterday as well and this is quite like this is quite a different sound for trippy red he's usually super emo rap inspired uh embodies that kind of sound and i've, I've spoken about trippy red before in terms of i love that from him like that from him but this one was just way more melodic and party's voice ironically um, fit really well these are two characters who you would pretty much not associate with each other they've never collaborated before um at least on a uh as a main artist main artist to main artist level i don't know if party's ever done some writing for um trippy but yeah this is the first main release as main artist i've ever seen but yeah i just think it's super melodic there's trap in there of course which party has experimented with before but um i think yeah trippy kind of he kind of strips back the kind of emo lyrics and all of that kind of stuff and it's it's just a funner more laid-back record. I don't know if he's got a project coming out soon, but um, yeah, I just think it's a really good single and a really good pairing with both of them. And Party is really good as an artist, sometimes, like, in the back, in the subtle stuff that he does. Like, and um, he doesn't necessarily always have to be a front-of-house artist. So even here, as a front-of-house artist, he steps in the back and just does the background vocals in the, in the track. So I think he, yeah, he's really good at kind of just... Fragmenting pieces of himself. He doesn't have to always be the holistic force to kind of get my ear and get other listeners' ears. So yeah, I think it's a good single. And yeah, just to answer the question that was presented to us by the listener. Thank you so much for sending that in, by the way. Really appreciate it. Just to speak, obviously, because you referenced Chloe and hallie's single Do It. Um, I love the visuals. I think it's completely Aaliyah inspired in places like the Trigon visual, with the Diamante. Um Crop Top and then the leather pants, definitely A inspired and the Choker completely there. Um that was on Halley. But I think personally for me the single doesn't do much for me. Um personally it just doesn't resonate with me a lot. I loved their first album. I'm excited to see what's on this album. Always looking for them, their vocals and their performances and all of that. They've they've got really great arrangement. I'm definitely inspired by the greats and definitely want to do the music industry justice. So that they're talented artists and talented forces and have a very bright future. If, if I'm concerned by saying what they're going to do, but in terms of that single, it's not it for me, but I see the internet doing a lot. So hopefully it does a lot for them. I want to see success for them, but yeah, I hope there's better that lies on this project. And I, and I actually strongly believe there is better on this project, but um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a favourite of the week because it's just been so much, but that, the visual, definitely very strong visual um, for the spring season. But yeah, I'll take it to Shopee next.
2: Right. So I'm just going to um, quickly add on to both Eden and Nick here. Uh, I too didn't like what latest project. I only listened to it the one time, but the whole time I was like, no, but I will give it another try. And on to Nick's point, I love Welde. Love, love, love him. I've been a fan of his for a while. So, yeah, I just wanted to point that out as well. He's definitely one of my favourite... Um, I I'll say Africanized. I'm going to stop with Afro Beats, Afro Pop. I will say Africanized. Love him. Um, so, in terms of what my favourite of the week was, we don't usually do this, but... I guess I'll just say that in light of you know the recent historic event that happened between my two queens, new um, new soul queens, Erica Badu and Joe Scott. I've listened to a lot of Joe this week and Erica this week. I'm not going to include them in this section because I'm going to talk about them in depth later on. But uh, yeah, I've listened to them a lot, but this week. But I want to point out, I guess my favorite songs of this week, I guess are so Joe Scott's Rolling Hills from the Light of the Sun album and Joe Scott's I Keep slash still here's two-part song, and that's on the Beautifully Human album. Two amazing songs, well, essentially three, because the second is two songs in one. So that's my favourites of the week, and I guess if I had to answer that question, thank you for the question. Now, in terms of what my listeners for the week have been, so I have two, but I don't know who I should start with first. You know what, let's start with Chloe and Halley. So, do it. This, for some reason, is being more polarising than I expected. So, I would just like to say that I have been waiting for this song since March. When I was on the IG live like two months ago and they were teasing some songs from the album. And the moment I heard that, I was like, that's the one, that's the one, I need that now. And now, no word of lie, I've played that one minute and 30 second snippet several times over the last two months. I was I was like, I'm ready for the song, I need it now. And then they finally announced it, it was coming out on Friday and I was gassed. And not surprised at all, they did me proud and came with a really good really good video so i utterly utterly love this song i think it's so well produced so well written i love how sassy it is i love that it's actually a bop um i love them love 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 them i loved their last album um the kids Are Alright. it was actually one of my top five albums of 2018 uh loved the album um their music before has been somewhat kind of on the niche side of R&B. I actually described them, they're kind of like very whimsical and so, in some ways quite avant-garde in some ways. And I, and I love that about them. But it was nice to hear them just kind of on a more serviceable, easily digestible track. But it's still very much them. I feel like it's still very much their sound. It doesn't feel like a cop-out or them trying to compete with these other girls. It's still, I, in the same way, I couldn't really imagine some of these other girls doing that song the way they did. So with the video, i wasn't really getting try again vibes but i definitely got hot like fire from familiar the shading like the red and orange shading of the video and the outfit that hallie wore that's what i was getting i loved the video too very well very well done very well put together and i'm learning that people just don't know what they're talking about when i see certain things on the internet and i'm, I'm going to get, that, I want to get into my Kalani section people don't know what they're, what they're doing so i'm seeing people saying like oh chloe and hallie like it's about time they did some upbeat music. And I'm like, well, if you heard the album, there's several upbeat songs in the last album. So I don't know what you guys were hearing. Or Chloe and Halley are finally acting their age. But I'm like, but there's, there was quite mature content on the album. So it just shows that people aren't really listening or paying attention. I don't know what the perception of Chloe and Hallie is or what you may or may not have heard, but it's clear that from of the records I was seeing yesterday, which I want to add, I've never seen this much interaction on my timeline about them until now which i was happy about because they deserve it i, I love them but i um, mean yeah, people don't know what they're talking about but um, you know so i am absolutely in love with this song i'm in love with the video i've literally played it no lie, no more than 20 times in the last 24 hours and i'm very excited for the album on godly hour they have a song of disclosure i'm hearing and i love disclosure who by the way needs to give me a new album so I, i'm very very curious to hear, to hear what they put together and some of the snippets that they teased on the IG were sounding really good, but I just want them to leave that catch up song with Swaylee. We don't need that. Don't put, it, don't put it on the album. Leave it, leave it off.
1: It's already on there.
2: I know, but I'm saying that I'm, I'm saying it like while they're still arranging the track listing, take it off. We don't need it.
1: Oh, it's on there. It's on the, it's on the track listing. It's in on Apple Music. I'm on it now.
2: Well, they researched the whole track listing.
1: No, but it's literally there. Like, do it and catch up with featuring Mike Will. is on there.
2: Well, there's still time before June 5th. Remove it. We don't need that song. It's not a good song. It wasn't great. <laughs> not good at all. And I know they were like, oh, we're not going to give you Do It till you stream Catch Up. We're not going to stream it because it was shit. Sorry, girls. Love you to love you to death. But that song was not it. Thank you for giving us Do It. So um, that's Kieran Halley. So I I, I stand. I love I love the song. Love the visual. Love them. Um, and it's nice to show that they're still going to keep my interest in them because Lord knows I'm watching Grönish anymore. So I'm happy that the music is still popping and still solid. Uh, so yeah, next up, I'm going to get into Kalani's album. It was good until it wasn't. So I've been seeing some mixed reviews about this project. And I can't lie, I was quite hesitant listening to this because none of the singles really wowed me um, before it came out. And Eden's brother actually tweeted this, actually, that he didn't think he was going to enjoy the album. And I, I remember liking that tweet. I was like, yeah, I didn't, I'm not sure about this album either. And then I was seeing... Early reviews and some were saying say it was the best album for Korea. I'm like, okay, niggas lying again, doing the most 24 hours after release. All right, okay, calm down. And then I saw some people like say it's like very mid tempo. So I'm like, okay, cool, all right. And, but no, I kind of like avoided it for the first like couple of days, but I finally put it on. And I won't lie, so it didn't really grab me in the first listen because it's definitely very much more of a brooding project is a bit darker in sound compared to her her first album, and even in some ways her mixtapes, which I felt... I've always felt Chloe's music has been very exuberant and bright and vivacious, if I was going to use some adjectives. It's like very, it's like very, uh, very happy. Not Even if it's not, even not lyrically, if I feel like the production and I feel like where they deliver it is very much like, there's a lot of oomph in her music, so... It was cool. It was cool to hear this shift and hear it be a bit more darker. And I will say this. So I actually do like the album. I think it's I think it's. a, it's a good album. It's not a great album. It is a bit disappointing. because But it's a good album by by all means. But I do think that what's confusing me is I don't know why it changed. I don't know why everybody's business was released as a single. Because if I'm being honest, we didn't need that on the album at all. I, I think it's just a very mediocre song. I understand why she put it out. It's very it's, it's a great press angle with all her issues and everything and the video was really good but it's not a great song. Um Change Your Life for Jenny Arco for a disappointing song. Um and I actually kind of knew that when I when she was on the album I was like, okay, Jenny's on, my girl. But when I saw the title could change your life, I'm like, it's gonna be a shit song, I just know it. I just know it. A song could change your life. Then then songs called change your life are never good. I don't know why they is. They're never they're never good. I don't know why. Then I heard a song I'm like, Yeah, no. And then Kalani said this was originally just her song, I'm like, Yeah, I can tell. And I'm thinking like if you can have Jenny on the album, there were so many other songs on the album that I would have felt Jenny would have been much more suited to to feature on. I would have rather had Jenny on Bad News or Serial Lover or Water. Um so that's one thing. The Megan Stallion um, interlude was unnecessary. It didn't we didn't need it. It just felt very forced and it didn't really mix or mesh with the vibe of the album. Because none of the songs actually are kind of akin to the themes in Megan's interlude. But I get it, let's put Megan on the album. She's hot right now. Ha ha ha. But I know that's sounding really negative, but I do really like the album. But I do think the issue that people are having is that it's very samey. And that for some can be quite monotonous. And I agree that it's uh to To make an album or a project which is kind of for the most part very mid-tempo and slow jam heavy it has to be done right it has to be very particular with what songs put on the album and there are a few duds like well not even duds but even the songs that i like they're not really standout songs for example so i like toxic i like uh can you blame me with lucky day but they're not like songs i immediately rush back to but that being said there are a lot of strong tracks on here i love grieving i love serial lover, i love that song i love f and mu uh, if i can make up basically i love um the song of tory lanes i love bad news i love war i love open too yeah so it's a, it's a good project but i can see what people are complaining about i can see the issue they have with it that it's yeah like it's 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 kind of it's kind of samey and the song is kind of to an extent Are indistinguishable from each other, and also I think, even just lyrically, some of the lyrics I just kind of felt were a bit amateurish. I just kind of felt like we didn't, there wasn't any real growth from her as an artist. And I kind of felt that because her last album, in my opinion, was in some ways perfect. The only thing it suffered from, it had too many tracks and some songs which were just filler. I feel like if her last album was a nice 14 songs, it could have been a literally perfect r&b album and i and her mixtape it from last year while we wait was lit now that was a flawless project so it just kind of felt like a bit of a regression like that like so there's a, there's a way to doing darker sounding projects so overall it's a good album though if i was going to give it a rating i'll give it a seven a seven so yeah that's my thoughts and hopefully people understand what i'm trying to say but yeah that is it Kalani, I did other news. Do it to it. Stream it. Let's get it to number one. I want that song to be everywhere. Come on, guys. Let's do our best for Beyonce's proteges. Chloe and Halley for the future. Yes. Okay.
0: Do you mind if I chime in on the Kalani project? It's not really a lot that I have to say on it. But um, the one thing that I did like about it, because I wasn't going to include it in my listens because I feel like it's something that you need to sit with for a while. And there's some projects that you can't really speed, speed, listen to and then kind of speed review. And... It requires a lot of um, concentration, I feel. I, it's not something I can listen to in the background um, and just vibe to. I need to actually be in the moment with it. Agreed. The one thing that I did like about it, though, is I find with a lot of Kehlani projects and specifically um, her last one, Crazy... is What's it called again? Um, sick,
2: sweet Six Savage.
0: Yeah, that one. I find that her inspirations are quite obvious in a lot of her music. And like, for example, in that project in particular, I found that TLC were quite evident in her sound a lot of the things that she made and some of the R&B girls that she loves but in this project I feel like she was slightly more confident and comfortable in making um, music that she felt was more her lane or she felt slightly more comfortable with and it's a slightly different project that we're used to getting from someone um, who is considered a kind of pop artist in a way and um, although like Kehlani does make a lot of R&B music I do feel like she's kind of seen as a mainstream artist nowadays but she's kind of veering on the edge of just making music that she enjoys as well and i feel like this project was a great example of how people can kind of stay within the mainstream but still make music that's slightly more niche and i I kind of understand why there's a polarity in terms of how people are listening to it and why some people don't like it and why some people do it is very different to what she what she's known for making Um, and I do think that's a good thing I do think the fact she actually sat down and thought actually I'm going to make a project for myself which is slightly more raw and requires you to actually um, appreciate um, a few minor details that you might overlook like for example the fact that someone said it's mid-tempo I completely agree like for me um, I know we've kind of said this in a negative way before but it does feel like one long song Like the album feels like one long song for the majority of it. Um there are some times I didn't even realise that it switched up. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It feels more cohesive because of that. But it is something that I feel like I personally, and I don't know if any other listeners feel like this, need to sit with for at least another week or so to give the opportunity to be like, okay, so I've finally taken it in. And it might be that I don't like it or it's something that I won't play again, but I appreciate the effort from her, if I'm being completely honest, like this is an opportunity for her to just kind of make pop music and continue in that lane she's known for. But she decided to be slightly more um, creative and not that's not to say pop artists aren't creative, by the way, but she started like slightly more niche is probably the word I want to say. So, yeah, yeah, I completely agree with everything Chope said as well.
2: So I have a few additional thoughts now that Eden has spoken. So, first of all, I, I did not mention this before. So, back into the idea of people don't know what they're talking about. So, I don't know why I'm seeing the word Neo Soul in Kalani reviews for this album. I don't know why I'm seeing that word. Why am I seeing that phrase? I don't know why I'm seeing that. So, this just shows once again, hired black writers. I don't know why Kalani's been called a Neo Soul artist. I just, I just want to point that out because so I've literally read five reviews and I'm seeing the word Neo Soul and I don't know what you, do, you guys are doing, but I'm going to start off with that. So, um, that's my point of the Neo Soul thing. Kalani should not be anywhere written alongside those phrases i also wanted to point out that i love hit the club featuring masego that is one of my favorite songs now i really love that song i want to give that song a special shout out and i disagree um i wouldn't say kalani is termed as a pop artist she definitely is compared to some of the other r&b gods more mainstream definitely and and i've actually always forget she's kind of bigger than i think she is um i think it's because i'm still kind of tied down by the fact that she doesn't really have like a hit song but she's bigger but no but I wouldn't say she's a, a pop artist. Like I feel like her music from her mix up has been been very UN very R and B. I guess it's kind of pop facing and pop leaning, I would say, but if I was gonna go to that extent, but I would definitely say she's very much an r&b artist and that's very much confirmed with her last two projects
0: but um, is that even taken into consideration you should be here yeah and um what was the other one called 19 or something like that cloud
2: 19 or cloud 14 something like that
0: cloud 19 because i felt like you should be here was a very pop project to be honest if i think about songs like um the chance to rap on with the way for example um or you call that a pop song yeah i wouldn't really call it r&b personally um I'm thinking more of the production and kind of the feature as well. It doesn't really feel to me like the R&B type of feel that I get from other songs. I I get, I get like stylistically and like from production it's probably classified as an R&B song, but I feel like it was slightly made for a pop um, audience. Yeah. There's a lot of her music. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of her music. I feel like that. I feel like a lot of it is kind of like it's um, diluted R&B. It's like, it is R&B, but it's it's slightly um, veered to a pop audience. So it can have a slightly more um, diverse appeal. I don't know if that makes sense. But that's kind of what when I listen to Kehlani, that's kind of what I see, to be honest.
1: Aren't you guys saying the same thing? Like because Joppe just said pop facing and then you said you feel like it's R&B geared towards a pop audience
0: yeah but i'm veering more like i think in terms of like alignment and where we're sitting i think i'm more towards she's more of a pop artist and i think shop is more towards um she is kind of pop facing but she does definitely make r&b music i think that's the difference am i right in saying that
2: yes um yeah that's that, those are my listens for the week guys should
0: we move on to the news section next?
1: yeah let's move into the news so it's been quite a diverse week in terms of topics on today's junk here. We can start with Afro Nation, the Portugal one that is, because I know they have quite a few international ones now, one in Latin America, which was set to happen, obviously not. And then one in Ghana that just happened over... Um, over Christmas so yeah so they released a long-awaited statement regarding the festival um, Portugal status which was set to happen in July so it has now been moved to 2021 so yeah they released a long statement basically saying that they are aligning with the Portuguese government afro nation portugal will now take place on july 1st to 3rd 2021 and tickets from this year's 2020 purchase will remain valid uh, valid sorry for next year's festivities they highlighted in the statement that they are an independent festival committed to putting the biggest and best afro beats events to take place anywhere in the world for audiences um so under The new Portuguese law provided by the decree law DL 10 I slash 2020 tickets obviously will be automatically transferred to the new dates. They've worked with vendors over there. They've worked with um, insurance companies over there to try and make this happen um if they do want to sell their tickets um festival goers for that festival they can resell via fest ticket further details will be sent to those festival goers in coming days and weeks so yeah the portuguese government they went into further depth and just kind of uh gave the context that they've Put these emergency laws in place to protect the survival of industries that make up its economy while still protecting the rights of the consumer. Um, So these will obviously include live events, festivals, stage builders and production teams involved with those kind of events, etc, etc. So, yeah, they're directly following the government directive, postponing affirmation to those dates. And they've done a click here to find out more about the Portuguese government's laws on cultural events, which is what Nation falls under. Um, They've provided more information about flights and hotels in the full statement Um, in regards to obviously their main travel vendor, which is Travel Republic. um, They've sent a link to the support for that kind of vendor. And yeah, they've just kind of specified all the hotels That will transfer kind of bookings to next year. Um, so these will include, for example, Hotel Casino Algarve, Hotel Jardim DeVoe, and loads of others. There's a whole list of it. But yeah, long statement. Um, just for context as well, there's another festival that was set to take place days before Rolling Loud's first European um debut, which was set to take place, same beach, same time, just the week before. They've Released a similar statement saying that they're following Portuguese law, um, and that tickets will be valid to that festival, essentially kind of saying no direct refunds. But yeah, that's the context, that's what's going on. Afro nation, what do you guys think? Obviously, there was some backlash on Twitter, on social media at large. Obviously, we've spoken about Afro Nation before, where they've released like plantain pictures the owner, or the face of the brand, sorry, should I say the face, She's made, has, you know, done loads of stunts on Twitter, blocked people for criticism and asking for their money back, um, released beard lines and stuff like that in the run-up to this announcement. So yeah, all of that aside, or for consideration, depending on where you want to go, what do you guys think of AfroNation and this announcement?
0: Um, So I tweeted um, when this was all happening that, I understand the frustration, and I definitely understand the frustration as a consumer, but I do believe that AfroNation was kind of left in a stalemate. I think in terms of replies, this was the only option that we could ever actually expect them to give. Um, refunding on this level without receiving the insurance from the government I don't know how that would work for them and it does seem like it is a very sticky situation um, to navigate I will say that the way they handled it via PR and um, some of the releases that they released was slightly um, I I just don't understand the direction behind them I don't understand how it was supposed to be comforting towards their followers or their um, their customers I do believe that they needed to do a bit more with the PR to make people feel a bit more relieved during what was going on. Why I say it's a stalemate is because they're also dealing with a lot of people who need the money for different reasons. It's very, it's, it's different from a festival that would have been cancelled in the past, where um, you might not have received a refund, but at least you could have, for example, either like gone to your job or you could have still like lived your life. But now that people are like counting the amount of money they have in their account and like they're basically counting pennies at the moment because of the coronavirus and people losing jobs and etc um it's it's a bit hard because there's more emotion behind why people need refunds i will say uh, it, it's very hard for us to kind of give an actual opinion on this um and i'm aware of that because we don't host events we don't um, have a history of knowing the expenses and everything that's going into it what i will say just to kind of give like a concrete answer is the pr was terrible though it was awful then they they needed to be more reasonable with their customers as the founder of the company there's no reason whatsoever that you should be um, tweeting directly to people um, who are asking for refunds and kind of disregarding that especially when it's your it's your company I just don't understand the need behind that I understand that um, it might have been very overwhelming And um, some people might have been slightly, um, like, aggressive in their, like, responses and stuff, which, as I already said, is probably more emotional than it is anything else. But I will say um, that there's a lot that needs to be done by them to make sure that if something like this does happen again in the future, um, they're prepared for it. One thing I will say is people will still go to AfroNation. They will still go. To, they will still go to Afro Nation 2021. You will see people who will argue in the comments there with their tokens, gbesse into um different songs and like, and I'm not saying that for any reason particular, but from the history of watching people navigate social media, it's it's very evident that sometimes some people get a bit outraged, but when it comes to reality, they're still doing certain things um and we see that with people who are like quote unquote canceled and all these types of things so really and truly there is nothing else to say about this from me i do hope that people find a way to get refunds i've seen quite a few people ask their banks to um do a transfer as they've reported it as a spam cuz there was something in afro nations um privacy policy about if the event is rescheduled you can get a refund um so a few people have gone to their bank some people have opened paypal cases really and truly if if this goes through for a lot of people afro nation is in a lot of trouble the amount of investment they have probably put into this that they won't see return is going to be very scary i know they're backed and sponsored by live nation and um, i believe live nation were having some problems as well so really and truly it's it's just gonna be a waiting game and see what happens but that's all I have to say. Best of luck to everyone who's trying to get refunds. And I hope they handle this better going forward.
2: Jopay, did you have any comment? This probably isn't the most responsible thing to say, but I just want to start off by saying that I think the, the memes and the tweets that came out of this were hilarious. I thoroughly enjoyed them. I actually enjoyed them. Yeah, I just want to start off by saying that. Um, and I want to also, I guess, extend my solidarity to those who bought tickets, because I do feel very sorry for them. I do feel very sorry for them. I understand what Eden has spoken about. Like, you know, we don't know all the ins and outs are of running a business and putting together a festival and then the traditions that come with it. So there obviously or probably are valid reasons as to why they can't offer out refunds. But the number one issue, which I think people are so irritated about, is the communication throughout all of this was horrendous and horrid and so, so tone deaf. Like, it would be one thing if we were going to delay the, delay the, the statement, but the fact that you were tweeting other things and Plantain and Smade was doing these other things in between that, you should have just been silent. If you're going to wait this one, you should have just been silent in the interim. So at least like, but the fact that you're kind of like playing people's faces, promoting other things, discussing other things, knowing everyone's your mentions asking about their money that wasn't the best yeah um i just feel sorry for the people really because now you've essentially booked their holiday for next year essentially like because you know what people it's kind of like if you were going to go somewhere else in july well nope you're going to portugal this is where you're going <laughs> basically <Yeah>. pretty, <laughs> pretty much. much which obviously like you know mm-hmm. fine like you know uh, people want to go to portugal in it but like you know someone may have been like nah I want to go Canada next year. I want to go to, I don't know, Cuba next year. No, nigga, you're going to Portugal to Portugal towards Brandon Boy and Davido. <laughs> um, so that's kind of annoying. And I don't really like the the fact that they, the only option they have is to resell their ticket, which also is kind of irresponsible because obviously this, you know, Corona thing is still going on. And I would like to think that we will be able to go to festivals again by next July. I would like to think that I don't see why not, but, but we don't. Act, we it's, it's still uncertain. It's so we don't, So who's gonna at this present moment, like today, who's gonna want to buy a ticket to a festival in twenty twenty one now? That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I'm sure it will go on, go ahead next year. I think everything will, will go back to regarding live music by next summer for sure. But who's who wants to buy them now? So people who make people who need that money like now or next month or August, they're not gonna be able to really sell the tickets realistically until maybe like spring of next year because we'll have a better way to ascertain the situation with Corona in regards to actually going outside and live, live events again. So I feel like it was very annoying for people who that's the only option they have. Either you keep your ticket and use your money yeah. or you resell sell your ticket, even though you can not really resell it now because it's like, I say, who's going to buy a ticket off you now? Yeah. I wouldn't.
0: Yeah. I saw a funny tweet from um Timmy, Uncle Timmy um from the, Nerd Council and someone said, um, I don't understand the issue if you can't if you just you can just sell your ticket and Timmy just wrote in capitals to who? Like <laughs> who's buying a <the> ticket now? <laughs> like who is buying a ticket for Afronation right now? Really and truly, if you're selling it for like ten or twenty pounds, then someone's probably gonna buy it because most likely people are gonna try and go next year, right? So it's probably a good investment. But really and truly, if you actually want to go to Afronation, no one's no one's gonna buy your ticket it's, it doesn't make any sense i know it's the only option that they really had for like reimbursing people for money but no one's gonna do it so it's just a stupid comment really i will say though um the lineup that they have is really really good so they've got Tory lanes they've got some sokar artists on there they've which i got don't Be- understand they've but... got beanie man they've got tion wayne so they've got a mixture of artists um which is kind of slightly different from last year's it's um it's definitely um more diverse because last year they had like some standout artists like they had Steph London they had Octavian and a few other artists who aren't like Afro swing Afro pop or um artists who veer on like the Afro genres but yeah I mean it's gonna I, if it's true like I don't know about that list I don't know if I can trust that right now um it looks like a good lineup but whether or not you'll get your money back or if it'll be a good investment for you to do kind of look into in the future um as like an experience then i don't know what to say but i'm conscious of taking up next time so nick what what do you think
1: no worries um in terms of what i think i think you know just consult your credit card vendors because i've seen some people get refunds so definitely do that and i think that it's Yeah, basically the same sentiments as you guys think. I think it's unfortunate that... the insurance and how it's all working and stuff. I am glad that in a way that Rolling Nate um Rolling Loud had a similar policy because it, it doesn't make them look like asses. I guess it makes them look like they actually were all aligned and all that kind of stuff. But um yeah, in terms of Afro Nation 2021, I do think people will still be there. I do think it will be sold out. Hopefully the lineup sticks because this time is really uncertain. I feel like it was I feel like they should have definitely said, well, it would have maybe caused a bit more uncertainty in the brand, but maybe just in small print, which I'm sure there is there and I just didn't see it, but like obviously to be confirmed, like all lineups are and like lineups constantly gonna change because that lineup will hundred percent undoubtedly change with the offers and stuff that come in for certain artists as well, which they'll obviously take up over that or lineup switches, people not being able to make it, etc cetera, etc, cetera. you cannot account for a whole year in advance. Um, we're not even at the year markets a year or like two months. There's definitely going to be some lineup changes. So I would not trust that list. Um, but yeah, interesting to see. Um, hope the brand can come back from this because ultimately, beyond the critique, which I extensively did on Twitter in the run up to this announcement and post it, um, I hope they can survive and just kind of really. Be transparent in their kind of responses to their consumers in the next couple of weeks, just because I think an apology is owed and just ego's out of the way and all of that kind of stuff with SMAID And yeah, I just think they can regain trust. I think during this time is the time to do it and really leverage that. Maybe use your good old friend IG Live, go on there, discuss the intricacies of what's going on, what you can legally speak about and just, yeah, start the junket kind of... (laughs) again, with your, your audiences. But I do think they can save face um, 100%. I just think it's about really being smart with PR and all of that in terms of how they um, orchestrate the next run of their events and things to come. I don't know if they're going to do Latin America first. I don't know if they're going back to Africa this year. I don't know what is going on, but um, it just has to be no toe out of line from here. And I do, I do acknowledge that this is their first full heading into year two kind of thing um there are obviously some trial and errors but i just think sticking your heels in the sand when people are people who are fair as well in your industry to people who are critiquing you you should take that on the chin and listen to it and make some calls behind the scene but yeah i think afro nation we'll see what happens next year as of now quite a sticky situation it is what it is like like the meme says it is what it is but um yeah, unless anyone wants to rebuttal that, can say anything, I can move on to some lighter news.
2: See, this is the thing. I'm not sure if they will totally bounce back from this because, as you've just said, this is only their second year. They don't have the loyalty of a Wireless or a love box or a Glastonbury, like, you know, festivals who've been doing this for, like, you know, 15-plus years. They don't have the luxury of being able to mesh with their fans like that because... They haven't built up the brand goodwill to do stuff like that. Like, is it on your second year and you've had a terrible shitstorm? I don't know if you will fully come back with this. And there's been some very valid critiques online about how people were rooting for this to fail because it's a black owned business, which are very true. There was some, like, you know, in the world of major Body, like, there was some iteration around this festival this year and last year, but doing this did not help at all. At all. And it's like, this is only your second year. And then also, there's also this the fatigue that I've been seeing with just doing too much too soon. Like, I don't know why there's afro Latin like America and Miami and Ghana and all the other ones. Like, we're still getting good brand off the ground. And then they're just doing too many other things around it. They're just doing too much. I kind of feel like that's... And that's already kind of shot them in the foot a few times. Especially as someone... Who uh, used to work with people who were doing the PR for it last year? Some of the things I was hearing internally. I mean, I won't say anything, but if you want to, you can DM me later. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, with the conversations that I've been privy to and aware of internally, it's in the words of Nick, it's very quiet.
0: I can't lie, my my um, invisible ank is Extreme kind of ink. like shining at the moment because, <laughs> like. I do want this to succeed purely because it is a black business and um, it's one of the only festivals that's run by a black person but at the same time that shouldn't be at the behest of people suffering and missing out on refunds and all these types of things I do I, I think they need to really do an evaluation of if it's worth it being a company that can actually be quite vulnerable um, and admit actually guys if we do this what will happen is the festival won't happen ever again or whatever because um, I do think a lot of people feel cheated right now and I don't think that's necessarily what might have happened I don't know the full thing I think that um, Nation just need to be a bit more um, transparent with the fact that this could crumble them I think transparency and vulnerability are two important things that they need right now. And also I I hate to say it because it is another black business, but this is another, another situation where PR has failed a black company. As we spoke about last week with Chipmunk and cash motto, they need to work on PR, their PR, uh, uh, I want to say abilities, but the fact that they're writing things like this right now, completely tone deaf and on Twitter again, um, I I have a lot of questions that probably will never see answers. So, um, yeah, all the best, like I said. Um, But let's move on. Let's move on. Cool.
1: Um, So, yeah, moving into more positive news. Um, Actually, this is quite, this isn't, this has a bit of nuance, which I'll get into. But, um, yeah, so Billboard Hot 100 um, history was made this week with the likes of both Doja Cat and Megan The Stallion but we'll focus on Doja for now. Um, so Doja, Kat and Nicki Minaj in particular are the first two female rappers to ever top the Billboard Hot 100 with a collaboration. So obviously Say So has been lighting up airwaves, internet, streaming platforms for the last couple of months. Nicki did decide to jump on um, a couple of weeks ago uh, and then obviously both fan bases linked up and made this song this week head to the number 1 spot closely behind it it was a very tight competition but Megan the Stallion and Beyoncé's obviously recently released Savage remix headed into the second position um, Doja, this is Doja's biggest hit, of course, obviously it's its number one, but she did reach number 41 in the, uh, in the US with Juicy, which was obviously with Tiger, um, also on Hot Pink, her second album, so Nikki has only, this is Nikki's first number one as well, and she hit number two previously with Anaconda in 2014, um, both artists, Doja and Megan that is, were super happy to be at the top of their game essentially because this is Megan's best hit as well to be honest, number two. This is the first time obviously four black women have occupied the top two at once and yeah it's just this, just a huge accomplishment. But I have to, I have to, have to, have to touch on the fact that this is Dr. Luke's first number one since uh, Kesha's allegations which hit obviously mid tens so I did have to get into that and there was a very good piece on I think Bitch Media, yeah Bitch Media's platform just talking about doja cat and dr luke and the fact that obviously doja cat if you didn't know is signed to dr luke's imprint in collaboration with rca not only that he produced at least four out of five or four or five tracks on hot pink uh, including this song of course and obviously yeah he's still intertwined in the web of doja cat's success with hot pink which again debuted at its highest position which was top 10 on the billboard 200 this week as well so very big week for doja cat but very nuanced in terms of the fact that it's um it's haunted almost by uh dr luke's involvement uh via his imprint and via his his i will say skill in the in the the booth (laughs) so yeah um what do you guys think of this number one um and what do you guys think of the dr luke angle which i had to include because even me as a fan of doja cat that there's there's that to grapple with of course so
0: yeah wow (laughs) <laughs> so, um, so I was going to say I, I think shoppe should go first on this one um, But what I will say I think it's important that we highlight who Dr. Lu- Luke is Because a lot of people might not know why it's an issue for him To kind of um, be at the forefront Or kind of behind the scenes for this
1: I can jump into that So um, basically he is a prolific producer in the realms of pop um, And he's worked with pretty much all your faves Lady Gaga, obviously Doja Cat, Kesha Um, Nikki, Jessie J, uh, Taya Cruz, Brittany, Rihanna, Flo Rida, Miley, Shakira, Pitbull, you name it, he's there. This turned sour in 2013 and he's also received countless amounts of kind of hearsay by loads of different artists. Um, Simone Battle, which was a girl who was on X Factor USA, um, she committed suicide in the early tens and it was highly rumoured that he, because it was his girl group, um, it was going to be a reboot of Pussycat Dolls, but it changed into something else, GRL. Um, It was, yeah, it was highly rumoured that he had a a hand in pushing Simone Battle to the edge. But what I'll talk about is the main lawsuit with Kesha, which started in 2013. So obviously... um, started off as a petition to free Kesha from the the management, sorry, of Dr. Luke, um, saying that he was stunted Kesha's growth as an artist. Um, And then in 2014, Kesha admitted that she was in rehab um, and made allegations on Dr. Luke's pressure um, on her career. Um, And then October 2014 was where things took a kind of downward turn for Kesha um, because she claimed that Dr. Luke had not only sexually assaulted her, but there was battery claims, sexual harassment, gender violence, civil harassment, and a violation of loads of California's laws against unfair business practices and emotional distress. So this led to a long-standing trial, which lasted a number of years. Um, And that eventually led to a decision on Kesha's claims especially pertaining to sexual, physical and verbal abuse being denied, essentially. And I know that she's still seeking legal procedures and all of that. But yeah, that is the extent of Dr. Luke, Kesha, etc, etc. And there's been other artists that have claimed stuff as well.
2: Can you clarify the Simone battle? Because I I remember I was very upset when she committed suicide. I I was rooting for her. I was a big fan of hers. I believe you insinuated that Dr. Luke was attached to her suicide. You can just clarify what happened because I've never heard
1: that before. Yeah, there was like um, in the fandom and all of that kind of stuff, there were rumours that he pressured the group to eat a certain way, do certain things um, and all of that. And the the kind of pressure mounted to Simone being mentally fatigued, mentally distressed, all of that. So when she, they went back to Los Angeles after I think it was an Australian tour or leg of um, something they were doing over their promotional activity, that's when the suicide happened, so you know, it's mainly fans started, but yeah they but they were under his management group affiliation, etc. so they're saying that there was a lot of pressure in the GRL group from him to look a certain way, be a certain way, lose certain um, lose amount of weights, all that kind of stuff. It is just for the podcast um rumors, but I definitely remember reading the rumors back then mm-hmm. about that
2: um so with this whole thing so before we get into the dr luke thing well before i get into it i would just like to say congratulations to all parties involved even Nicki minaj yeah i'm very happy for doja cat and i would just like to say of doja that um i am particularly impressed with how far she's come and turned things around from Moo to this because i know she was making music beforehand and She was very much, like, on the fringes of, like, the bubbling young female rappers that were coming out in the last, like, five years or so. But Moo was really what put her on the map. And that was obviously a joke song, which is actually a bop. But anyway, um, it's actually a banger uh, for all intents and purposes. So just to see her turn that around, and she's now a legitimate bona fide mainstream artist now with a hit song. And it's a good song as well. I'm happy that it's a good song because, like, it's, I'm happy that her first novel wasn't a shit song. <laughs> I'm really happy about that. It's, I, I love the song. Not the remix. I have heard it since the first day came out. But I appreciate what we did for her. That verse was still uneventful. But um, I just really hope that we're now seeing the crowning of another rapstress in the game. Because as we've all mentioned in the past few seasons, that we would like to see multiple women in rap win at the same time. I don't want it to be just Cardi or just Megan, I'd like to see plurality. So I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that, and also I just, I'm a Doja fan, so I love her album. I love her last album as well, actually. So I just really hope that we can now start seeing her truly rise and truly do well. I think it's gonna happen. I think her, t- her team has done an amazing job with her. because it's a solid album. So I'm very happy for her, I'm very, very happy for her. This Nicki thing, so chart data are very shady. They tweeted, the day when this all happened, Nicki Minaj has broken the record for the longest, wait for a number one single. And they put like 12 years and seven months. Like, you guys are rude. You guys are actually very rude.
1: They give participation awards. I don't like where they're going right now, to be honest. Like, they just give participation awards. It's a bit weird.
2: It's just like, yeah, like, but I just thought it was very shady of them. But I I was deeping it, though. I was like, I really, I mean, I know I understand. And I knew this anyway, But it was actually quite mad. So Nicki Minaj literally has never had a number one single in her 12 years in this game, until now. And the reason why is so sad, because if I'm being really honest and blunt, I wouldn't really be going hard to celebrate for Nicki Minaj myself, personally. Because when all this is said and done, when we refer to say so, we will not be thinking of this remix. I'm sorry for the facts of the facts. I'm so sorry. It's true. We will be playing the, the solo version. We know this was just boosted to get to number one but it's going to be akin to when Britney Spears was on Rihanna's S&M. What? Do you you guys even remember that happened? No. I don't remember that. Probably not.
1: Yeah, I remember it.
2: So, so Rihanna's S&M was hovering between number two and number three for literally like eight weeks. So it was already a hit. It was already doing well, but it was hovering between number two and number three for ages. So they got Britney Spears to do a remix at the very very last second of the midnight hour, and it finally went to number one. (laughs) But I'm sorry, that's Rihanna's number one single. (laughs) Like... I have not to this day heard Britney's version of that song since 2010, and like I said, when we now think of S&M, we just think of Rihanna's s and and that's what this that's what this will be with Doja Cat say so because unlike Savage's remix, which was actually a fully formed remix which actually elevated the original track, I can see DJs and parties playing both the original and the Beyoncé version interchangeably. I can imagine going to a club in the States and I'll be hearing both versions, depending on who the DJ is. I can imagine that, because they're very much different songs at this point. Whereas Nicky's verse was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to just give you 16 bars, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) that's one point. Also, uh, this week and the last week is when I truly, truly, truly saw the depth of Stan craziness and Stan insanity. <laughs> I I just was in awe of what I was seeing between the barbs and the Beehive, and I don't even know if I can really call myself a Beehive member anymore because I just they're just things that I wouldn't be doing or I would never do. At this point, I would just like to say that I am just a big Beyonce fan of the artist, the the musician, the performer. I don't really care about. I'm not going to be no mentions. Stream Savage Remix. Duh, 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 duh,
0: no, actually, a... but you will be in WhatsApp chats, do- anyways. Doing what? Nothing. Continue.
2: No, let's, let's start then. When did I do that? When did I stream? When did I?
0: <laughs> you sent me. You sent me the entire Tony Braxton discography into my.
2: Yes. Yes. See the difference? Because I want you to listen to the music. I wasn't giving her receipts or her Grammys or whatever. I was saying her music is great. Educate yourself.
0: You've been on the Twitter account talking about how I hate Beyonce. It's the same thing.
2: No, you just can't sing. See, my my standship will always go back to the talent and the music. I don't care if you don't think she's a Grammy winner or successful. I don't care about that. (laughs) But what I will do for anyone is you will respect vocals and talent and good music. So the Tony thing, I was saying to you that she's a great artist. Respect her. (laughs) Here's her music. And I will do it again. So So you came for me again for no reason. But anyway, back to the original point. Yeah, I don't know why Aiden's doing this But see But you know That's what happens You can say people can't sing You get you get triggered and You feel guilty about it <laughs> Anywho um, So I saw a video Of a of a Barb Who literally had like I think you, you both saw this too Like with like Seven laptops Twelve iPhones <laughs> Literally <laughs> playing Say so On repeat And I was just like Who has the time <laughs>
0: no but also who has the money like, <laughs> like four laptops and seven phones <laughs> like does
2: streaming say so on repeat and I'm like so if this goes number one what do you get out of this do you get a, a royalty check do you get yeah. are you gonna be named on bill like, what do you get out of this and they're not even that like even this is so mean and so disgusting so obviously that the, the what's his name the armoured guy he was shot yeah. last week What's his Arnold name? Avery. There was... Yeah. So a viral tweet went, went out when it was announced that the guys were arrested. Why did I see Beehive members in the mentions Stream Savage Remix?
0: When we... I, I genuinely think, yeah, when we say that stans are people that need a lot of help, Um, obviously there's different levels to it, but at the same time, they do need a lot of help. I think people think we're joking and we think it's just something that's annoying. But a lot of the time, these people do the wildest like it's it's going to the extent where i don't think there's a section of twitter that i can venture to without seeing k-pop stands i don't think there's a section of like a tweet that went viral or even like news articles about coronavirus i will see k-pop people putting videos in the comments and i'm just i'm I, i don't understand it i and we tweeted something recently um yeah and not to co-opt um Shopee's point, but um we saw a tweet recently of like the Be- the Beehive basically they created like their own section of Twitter. So like they had um Beyonce conversion camps, they had Beyonce court, they I had saw Beyonce that. um like so many different things. And I was just like what, like whoa, like this is this is something, this is a cult, this is something completely different now. But like I said, and I always say, there's a great article by Han, so Hanaya Angus. It talks about stan culture. T- check out her work. It's very, very good. Um, but yeah, that's all I'm going to say on that.
2: Yeah. So I just think in the last week, I've truly seen the depths of, of stan culture between the barbs and the Beehive. Then. I don't, yeah, it's, it's been very mad. Not to the Dr. Luke thing. I just think it's... I think it's a necessary conversation. I'm glad it's being discussed and being brought to light. But I just do feel kind of sorry for Doja that this is a big moment. It's a massive milestone while you're still rising in your career. And there's now this massive shadow and cloud over this achievement. And we'll forever be there for the rest of time, really. Like, we will always remember that, unfortunately. It's a great song, but dr luke wrote and produced it and he produced like six songs on this album because um i didn't know until i read the article that every artist signed to his label there's a clause in the contract where he has to produce at least six songs on your album and i I think that's that's quite insane so i just hope that uh dr luke is um held to the same same account that harvey weinstein is and r kelly and russell simmons but i just don't feel like even though it's kind of something we're very much aware of now, I don't feel that he's been given the same treatment. And I feel like he hasn't really been a victim of hashtag cancel culture as such, but I'm done now.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think that's slightly because he's more in the background than say some of the people um, who would have canceled some other artists, like he's someone that someone kind of know the name of, but don't really know his face. Um I, I doubt there's a lot of people who know who he is like that. Um when Kesha first and like revealed him and the things that he'd done, um, that's kind of the first time I'd ever actually interacted with him. But yeah, um, I just wanted to add, because I think context is important. Like obviously I was joking about what I said about Chope and um the beehive and those types of things and like Tony Braxton. Just for clarification, um what I meant was that when Chope is very passionate about an artist, he will kind of try to um like like veer you towards listening to their music and being slightly more open to some of their music than you are currently Uh, because when i speak about them sometimes it does sound like i'm quite closed-minded and i'm not interested in listening to their music um so there wasn't a parallel that i was trying to create just to let everyone everyone know that so that he doesn't kind of get comparisons to the beehive but anyways in regards to like my opinion with this whole situation um, first and foremost, I will say that like Chope, I am very impressed by Doja Cat. Very, very impressed. Um, she was someone who my brother introduced me to. I think it's called No Bars or No Police was the first song that I heard by her. Um, and then I went, I ventured deeper into her catalogue. Um, and this was a few years ago, actually. This was a while ago where I didn't even know what she looked like. Um, and she was kind of like this spacey, trippy, I don't even know how to describe her, but she was quite out there with her music it was something that required psychedelics if i'm being completely honest and that's why like i said last week i think that she's the perfect artist for this generation like the way she uses social media and um, i don't know if you saw a tweet by her which was like if say so goes to number one i will show like my tits real hard or something like that and just the way she worded it and kind of like the interaction that tweet got which actually kind of unfortunately spurred some angry male listeners or female um, actually listeners uh, mostly male actually who kind of said we can we made you but we can kind of break you at the same time but she does know how to navigate social media she knows how to kind of make herself more personable and I think that's the distinction between her and a lot of artists at the moment and why her career will excel and go much further Um, I think Moo was a very, very, very good strategic opportunity for her to kind of propel back into the forefront of her career um, and the music industry. I think a lot of people like me didn't really know what she looked like like that at the time. And it was an opportunity for her to be silly, to show off her personality, to create a meme-like song. And I think that is really akin to the type of personality and person that she is. Like, she is very memeable. Like there's a lot of times you will see her on live stream and like reacting to a lot of things. And that is currently the culture for Generation Z or Generation Z. They love watching videos and laughing at them and interacting with them, love visuals and all those types of things. And Doja Cat is very heavy on that. Like if we even go back to Moo, that video in particular was created on um, a green screen. Like it wasn't the best edited video, but it was very memeable because it had her in um, what's known as furry. Um, which is like a whole different thing to do with like anime culture and cartoon culture. And it's something that Gen Z recognized and they engaged with. And I wouldn't be surprised if we looked at the statistics to see which demographics engaged with her music the most, it would be Gen Z. So I think in terms of her um, like PR and like her marketability, I think Doja Cat is going to do crazy. Like the fact that this is one of the biggest songs on TikTok and it was a dance challenge which she incorporated into her video and all those types of things. It kind of wouldn't surprise me if it led into what inspired Megan The Stallion to actually do the dance herself for um, Savage. Like it was something that um, Megan The Stallion released later on where she was performing with her and her friends and stuff. But I do see Doja as a key player for a lot of the, um, the rap game. And I'm not surprised that she went to number one. I am slightly because Beyonce jumping on any song um, will like help artists kind of propel. But the fact that Doja jumped to the number one, I think was more to do with her. And this isn't a disrespect to Nicki Minaj, but I think it was more to do with her than Nicki Minaj in particular. Whereas I think, and this again, this is a disrespect to Megan Thee Stallion. I think with... Megan the Stallion, I think Savage was more because Beyonce was on it. I think the feature for Megan was more important than the feature for Doja Cat.
2: I agree.
1: Um I think with the Bobs though, I think they bought more physicals. Um they're very loyal in that sense, which is weird, obviously in terms of not getting Nikki to number one, but combined <laughs> with Doja's already built shade foundation. That wasn't shade by the way, that was just literally facts. But in terms of like the physical copies, um I think that's what helped boost the combination of everything for, for Doja over Megan. It was very tight till Sunday actually. Well, till it closed, but it was it was very tight
0: yeah but also i'm i'm thinking more on like shopper's point as well in terms of how people will actually see the song so i think when people do think of um savage they will obviously relate it to megan the stallion but there will be a huge percentage of people who were introduced to it via beyonce whereas say so i don't believe like shopper said a lot of people will imagine Nicki minaj um i can't even remember her her verse and that's obviously not me sending for anything but i can't remember it Um, I can't remember any parts of it whatsoever. Um,
1: Yeah, I just meant chart-wise. Yeah, no. Impact-wise, I agree.
0: Yeah, no, you're completely right. Yeah. Uh, And obviously the barbs are, like we do comment on them a lot, but that stand base is very impactful in terms of um, how they spread across the internet and they... Obviously, jump in all the comments similar to like K pop stands and stuff like that. It does kind of offer the opportunity to talk about how important stand bases are to like artists and um, their sales and their progression and stuff like that. Because although we've spoken about um, kind of the psychology and um, like understanding how they work, a lot of artists do actually rely on stand pages and do actually speak to stands and ask them to release certain material, leak certain things to their core listeners. Um, because it's purely their demographic that follow those accounts anyway, um, who are willing to spend money, who are willing to buy merch and all these types of things. So on that point, um, very happy for Doja Cat. And like what Nick and Chope said, unfortunately, it was at her behest that she had to make a song with Dr. Luke. Whether or not she should lose at that lose because of that sorry um i think would go against the point of boycotting dr luke in the first place if i'm being completely honest um it's the first opportunity that four black women have gone to the top two spots so i don't know if cancelling that song in particular would really help the message that i think people are, people are trying to convey i do i'm not surprised by the fact that he has a clause in his contracts about six songs he has to produce There was this thing about Psycho and Simon Cowell, how he will click on a lot of people's songs. And when I say click, I mean literally click his fingers in the background in a lot of people's songs and he'll get royalties from that.
2: Are you serious?
0: Yeah. So he'll literally walk into the booth while people are recording and do this. And because it's in the background and it's Simon Cowell, he gets royalties from the songs that are released like that.
2: Wow, I did not know so, that. So
0: I mean, that's that's the game. That's that's the game. And unfortunately,
1: that's how songwriters get credits for one word and stuff. Like it's the it it is what it is.
0: No, but no, but clicking your fingers is not <laughs> is not the same as one word. <laughs> it it comes from Simon Cole, unfortunately, and 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 um, that's just how the music game works. And that's just something we're going to have to accept until we get to the point where some of these labels we're seeing pop up from like artists at the moment hopefully more development goes into them and they actually grow and offer opportunities but unfortunately I'll, i think we're going to see the same things we're already seeing it with ovo and um how like some people are saying that party next door right the majority or like a few of the melodies and songs for drake or like how there's so many different opportunities for some artists to come up but they're kind of held back by their label I, it's the it's the game unfortunately um and i think we just have to focus on the artists we want to support but like i said congratulations to both of them both great songs um i didn't I, i've said this before savage isn't really for me personally um but say so is very catchy um it's very commercial um but yeah that's all i gotta say on that
1: um personally i'll just jump in and quickly say congrats to both parties actually, because it's both career milestones for them. I don't particularly like any of the remixes. I'm not going to lie. I think the main songs for me are the ones that I like the most and that I will go back to, if any. Um, But yeah, congrats to both of them. And I think that I want to see more diversity in the women who are being championed in the hip hop arena because both Megan and Doja sell a very similar product in terms of, um, how they look like what this, the sex sells obviously thing, the archetype from little Kim and all that kind of stuff. It's unfortunate. Obviously there's gender issues there, but I think, um, I want to see more. They've kicked down a door, which is very important. Um, but I just want to see like a Rico Nasty win at the top of the charts or someone else like as well. Um, um, or darker women as well. Like I want, I want to see a lot. Like I want to see diversity this this um, this decade and the decades to come too. Um, still some work to go. Still some barriers to overcome. But this is huge. Like this is really huge for for what we've seen. The vi- just the visibility of it. Just the image of it. Just that young black girl in her room like wow like you know to megan been in the industry front facing for like two years in terms of mainstream wise and she's been able to do this without a debut album huge doja cat obviously released her second album had the fact that her second album's now getting the love that it deserved when it was first released months later and getting into the top 10 is huge um the single just an a a nice rise in terms of what it's done and it just really highlights to me that the power of TikTok obviously we've seen um we've seen British artists this week you know reach the billboard hot 100 because of TikTok we've seen Drake obviously takes some UK producers to the Billboard Hot 100 because of production and then because of TikTok and all that kind of stuff as well. We've seen Megan, obviously we've seen Doja incorporate TikTok to get to the top of the charts. TikTok does have some racial issues, but hopefully it switches itself out um, and is able to help many other Black artists in the industry get to the top of the charts. Yeah, and I just hope that Women in rap feel empowered at this time, and empowered to just challenge the norms that that are in place in hip hop. It's so a woman's time. Hopefully, diversity and what that looks like. Um, and shout out to both parties. I do want to see a Doja piece on just how viral she is and that strategic element because she, she really is a blueprint for a lot that's to come this decade as well. So yeah, really exciting, really exciting times. Um, if anyone has anything to say before I move on, let me know, or we will just veer into our last topic on the junket today.
0: I was just going to add to what you said, Nick, about um, like darker skinned women jumping to the um, top of the charts. Um, one thing that I will say that I like about Doja Cat is she does shout out other black women. Um, about their music and their music videos like Brie Runway is an example Um, when Doja Cat was going live on Instagram um, Brie Runway joined like the conversation and she was just so excited that she was there she shouted about her music video on Twitter and like engaged with a lot of her music Um, And that's something that we're seeing that's slightly changed from what's happened before. And I don't know if that's label politics. I don't know if that's like when Lady Leisha said that um, the label she joined, I can't remember who it was, said that she wanted to, sorry, they wanted her to go at Nicki Minaj and kind of start a war, basically, because like hip hop is usually seen as this thing where there can only be one woman usually. Um, or at least one woman at the top, and then two that kind of go in the background, like Foxy Brown and like Eve and stuff like that, and like Lil Kim and all these types of things. But um, I think it's quite interesting. I do think we're seeing a renaissance in terms of when it comes to um, black women um, in rap, and it would be a, it would be amazing to see dark skin women at the top.
1: And one that doesn't sell sex as well, like one that talks about something else too. I do I do want to see the women offered the same privileges as men like I do want to hear other topics and I do want to see other well there is other topics but I do want to see them get the visibility that they deserve too I want you know a mental health number one I want this number one I want that number one I want to just see difference um allowed because I think it's very it's it's great and easy to say that this is such a win and the door is kicked down to an extent, but there's so much more to go. There's so much more gender politics to go. And even you highlighted it with how Doja tweeted and then the men were critiquing and stuff like that. There's still so much to go. So um, there's a, there's a long way to go, but this is, this is a really huge step in the right way. And Doja did say on live that, the women have overcome so much in terms of the arguing, the strategic elements of people trying to pit them against each other. Even how we started this podcast, you know, Cardi versus Nikki, all this kind of stuff. Like there's so much that they've overcome in the last couple of years. Paper did a piece highlighting all the women like two years ago. It, there's so much going on. Yeah. But I just want to see the charts on that mainstream level really allow and audiences just open their minds because it really, we control some of this as well. So audiences just open your mind and listen to a lot of different ones. Cause there's a lot of different ones making great, great songs on great productions as well.
0: No, you're definitely right, Nick. Although like some part of me is still like, obviously like sex does sell, unfortunately. And obviously I think there should be a lot more freedom in how some women want to express that. Uh, I don't, it's a very tricky topic to actually engage with, to be honest, because it's, it's, the reason why it's frustrating for me personally is because a lot of it is to do with like incel culture um and like the way that some some men are kind of contradictions in what they actually want from women when it comes to rap because you'll have people that like rap rap like raps like Rhapsody, for example and that's not a disrespect to women who don't talk about the topic she talks about, but you have some people that rap like her, and then people will come out and say, "Oh, she's boring. She doesn't really rap well, and all these types of things." And then, like, you have a Megan The Stallion who talks about mainly like sex and all, all these types of things, and then you will kind of get comments saying, "Oh, can she rap about anything else?" and all these types of things. Like, and I saw a tweet from Megan The Stallion recently because um, a fan asked how she how come she doesn't release any like twerking videos anymore, and she said it's because the men on Twitter hate twerking videos so it's really it's a very it's a very very like confusing space for like um women like female rappers to be in at the moment so i do definitely agree with you and i don't know what the change is if i'm completely honest i don't know where the change is going to be made but we're gonna to have to wait and see to be honest um but yeah let's go to the next point
1: yeah the last topic is back to something that's happening today as well um versus battle so we had two very powerful women which we spoke about before two neo soul champions just two goddesses um literally amazing artists um erica badu and jill scott so they switched they flipped the switch sorry on um the battle and made it a love fest um last saturday um Several hours of just amazing music um, to over 700,000 people tuned in to the verses, which is one of the highest, if not the highest, verses engagement that we've seen Um, on Instagram. The likes of Adele, Christina Aguilera, Solange, Queen Latifah, Missy, Diplo were tuned in to see this. Michelle Obama in the comments too, um, amazing, Um, and she added Obama hinting at, you know, Tonight gonna be fun, you know. After um Erica vadu and Jill Scott's battle, but it was it was truly it was truly a testament to 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 friendship, to long term friendship, to to long term camaraderie, to to long term careers because they're still very active artists. You know, they're still very loved um, in terms of what they do. Often revered, um, still touring, still very active in terms of the touring circuit as well. Um, I believe Scott Schoppe was going to go to Jill Scott this year if um, if obviously COVID-19 hadn't had happened. But um, I just, I we loved it. It was a love fest. It was cleansing the souls of everyone, like genuinely just to see two people. Because what we've seen in the, the other battles, which have mainly consisted, what have entirely consisted of men, is except for um except for neo's one really we've just seen this really competitive spirit um and kind of like alpha male go versus alpha male like kind of kind of vibes but in terms of the erica badira jill scott we just saw um we just saw like there was no battle it was literally like it wasn't a battle at all it was essentially just oh you playing this cut i love this cut you playing that cut? Oh, I love that cut too. This is how I wrote this one. We got anecdotes, you know. Um, as the battle was going on, it tripled in viewership. It was just it was it was it was nuts. It was really nuts. And I think the celebrity comments, the Twitter comments, it was all from what I saw, a a place of love um and celebration of the two women. It was not maybe there were obviously crazy sands that were just like oh like this one's better and this one's better but I didn't see a lot of that if that makes sense it was it was very niche um if that was happening because you you generally I search through the hashtag as it was going on as well and you would tend to kind of see that if if it was crazy but the playlist which is on Spotify has around 10,500 likes at this time Um, which just goes through kind of what they played and, you know, stuff like On and On, Didn't You Know, Rolling Hills, Back in the Day, Slowly, Surely, Can't Wait, Clever, just a lot of deep cuts as well as classics were played. And it was just, it was a beautiful time, a beautiful time for Neo Soul and a beautiful time for people to get introduced to that. I know not everyone, there was even um, some questions the following day just on what the differences between that and R&B was in terms of song construction and just people talking and you know I think that's beautiful I think it's beautiful for people to learn not everyone's going to know everything immediately and I think music is a very uh a a thing time a timeless piece of most artists um which you can go back to and learn from and I think it was great that I saw that question being circulated just so people could kind of get to know and you know just get to see where the likes of you know and Ari Lennox, who kind of doubles in both in places, kind of gets her inspiration from. So, yeah, it's beautiful. It was very beautiful. The two women remained respectful, more than respectful, remained friendly, love loving throughout the whole thing. And it just felt like the great start to Sunday because obviously they air when it transitions from Saturday to Sunday, our time usually. So we'll see this battle, which is obviously Ludacris is involved, and Nelly will see that transition to the same kind of Saturday to Sunday piece. But yes, we're talking about Erica um, and Jill Scott here, so... What did you guys think if you tuned in or caught up late? I personally thought it was a really beautiful experience and a cleansing experience.
0: Um, Just because I know I'm going to have the least to say on this, I haven't seen it yet. (laughs) So I have to sit down and actually watch it. My Wi-Fi has been a bit intermittent, so I couldn't watch the live. But I do need to actually spend some time on this. I was going to end it on that. But what I will say for me, like these two women in particular have been very instrumental for me, like understanding how deep music can go and when it comes to the root of identity politics and kind of like even describing love in ways that I've never heard before. Um, and they both embrace their environments and the type of music that they make. So I am looking forward to actually sitting down and spending some time on this because it's a great opportunity to watch two two legends actually engage and like appreciate each other's music. And what I did hear was they were very like courteous to each other Um, and it was less of a battle and more of like a jam session really. Um, Whereas like Nick said before, it's just for the men, it seems to be war. Um, (laughs) I'm imagining and remembering when... um, Babyface took out his guitar and Babyface was screw facing, so basically saying they didn't say they said that I couldn't use these types of things. And it was kind of awkward, but I imagine with Jill Scott and Erica Badu, it was completely different. I heard that Erica lost connection and um, um, Jill Scott played Tyrone for her. So I am looking forward to it, but that's all I can say right now. I'll see what I can say next week. So that's me.
2: So, um, yeah, I just want to say first and foremost that this was definitely the best versus battle to date uh just want to start that off that it's a fact it's not for debate um don't debate me Debate your ashy ankles this was the best versus battle that we've had so far and i think the best one will have this entire quarantine session and i said to a friend of mine that this was actually historic and they thought maybe i was being over the top and that maybe i was being I guess you know exaggerate, and I probably am, but like I said, if you know me very well, you know that these two women are very near and dear to my heart they're very special to me. I've been blessed to see them both live um I love and adore these women um this definitely amongst my favorite um artists and I would like to say that I also just like I just love being black i just this i don't I just got an overwhelming sense of joy and euphoria in just being a black person watching this and just like interacting with people on Twitter and I was texting Nick throughout and a few of my other friends and cracking jokes and I had my wine and I did actually burn some incense because I bought 100 incense sticks from New Orleans last year that I'm going to use. I still, you know, still getting through them. So I did burn some incense, you know, so I had to, you know, do my hotepery somewhat, small, small. And also, I want to just say, like, I just want to shout out the power of music because it was very late. It was midnight and I can't lie. I was very tired. I was very tired. It was very hot that day, that evening. So I was like quite exhausted and I actually had like a little bit of a cold. So I was like... I'm not really bothered with this right now, but then my, like, I like I knew I couldn't miss this. I d I didn't want to watch it the next day, so I stayed up. And I am absolutely I was absolutely delighted I did. I I words cannot describe how much it was. It was like an exultant experience. So I just I just loved it. I and I will say this that I think that you could only really enjoy this battle if you are a fan or a true fan of both their their catalogs because jill especially like because i Nick early on like when she played rolling hills i screamed because i love that song first of all but also i was like oh wow so jill is already putting out the deep cuts she's already playing the album songs because you know the other battles have been generally very hits focused and hits based and i thought that's what this was going to be but erica was more strategic erica definitely played like a healthy balance between her obvious songs but also like some of her fan favourites, but Jill for the most part did not really care. Like Jill even forgot to play The Way until Instagram told her to, which is like it's like one of her signature songs. So she was just in the vibe of like, I'm just sharing good music and I'm just sharing I could tell that some songs that they played were their personal favourites. So like I know when Erica played uh, Times Are Wasting, she was talking about that's one of her favourite songs. And when Jill played Honey Molasses on Jeremy Mukathsala Mc- and I Want You, I could tell that it was a sense of these are songs that I personally Love in my own catalogue And um I just was vibing really Like I was just vibing Like every song I was just And I was literally Sitting down initially But then I literally had to just Be up in my room I was singing along Having a one man rave And these women Actually had the power They ministered to me to tweet Because I don't tweet I actually tweeted twice During this this the three hour battle And I was like Wow Is that what these vibes are doing I'm out here tweeting now In these streets Because I don't do that I am the king of retweets and the king of responding, but I will never tweet. That is not my brand. It's not what I do. It's part of me minding my business (laughs) and keeping some sort of mystique because that's my life. Um, But I had to. When Jill played Home My Lasses, I I shouted. I just, like, I I threw, I I, I just, when Erica played Clever, I was like, once again, I just shouted. Just like, because like I said, because these are two women that I, like, I adore these women so, so much. I love them so, so much. And just to also just see the mutual respect that they had for each other and Erica talk about, play my favourite song, and will play, or play this song, just to hear that, the admiration and the love they had for, not only is just friends and peers and colleagues, but also just being fans of each other, which was great, because they are always playing against each other and... I just yeah I just it was an amazing amazing experience and just hearing the stories about certain songs were made and written and produced and uh who, and I love that they gave a shout out to some like very uh unheralded black women so like the likes of Minnie Ripperton and Sarah Vaughan and Denise Williams and Millie Jackson like they named obviously like you know Mary J. Lige and some other women but like I love that they really pay tribute to the artists to women who came before them who don't really get enough like so, Betty, um, Betty Davis, they mentioned as well. So, I just, I love that too. And also, I just love that Jill started off by playing a series of Mickey Giovanni players. Like, this is just so on brand. This is just so on brand. The Death Poetry Giant vibes that are lit. I just, I just, I just couldn't help but, I was overjoyed and I was elated. And I couldn't not help but smile. And I literally felt at the end of it a massive sense of satisfaction and peace and inner joy. And I just was like i just love being black i just love it and i just the way i was, the, the things people were tweeting the things people were saying was like you don't know about world went underground you don't know music I'm like yes world went underground that album or talking about watching me like they just all the just hearing having a community to share these songs because these like i said these aren't like you know billboard chart topping songs or grammy wall winning songs Well, some of them are they're both grammy winners they both have hit songs but like this isn't this wasn't like a John Turin vs. Neo. It wasn't like a Timmy vs. Babyface. A lot of these songs are very much like you have to be a fan of, of both of them to know these songs. And so as, as me, as I'm like a champion of someone who is the king of the deep cut, the king of the album track. It's not every day play the single. It's not every day play the obvious song. Sometimes play Back in the Day. Sometimes play a Robert Glassman collaboration. That's me, personally. But um, play, sometimes play Love Rain. Crown Royal, one of the greatest... Sex, Songs of All Time, Jill Scott, I just, you know, I know a lot of you out there waiting to bust you night again after that. For those of you who are having sex, you know, (laughs) Queen of Tech is coming soon. Um, Yeah, man, I just, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And as you both could imagine, I pretty much was playing Eric and Jill throughout the entirety of this week, every single album. I played their live albums. I watched several live performances. And then I also just got very, very upset about the fact that, I have tickets to see Jill Scott in July, which probably will not be honoured because of coronavirus. And this is actually a special show because she's going on tour this year to celebrate the 20th anniversary of her debut album. Who is Jill Scott? One of the sounds volume one. And the idea is that she can perform the entire album in its entirety for a show, which unfortunately will not be happening anymore. But um, yeah, man, just shout out to them. Shout out to Erica and Jill. Black women, black people, Soul Queens Forever, Dilla Forever. I stand, I just, yeah, a moment, in the words of Winnie Houston, a moment that is most pleasing to me.
0: So I think that's all for today. Um, I wanted to do like a special shout out to NS10v10. Their session with Ian Wright and Julie Adenuga was incredible. I was really enjoying that i i've i can't even describe how much i was enjoying that it was really really good um and congratulations to them for becoming an actual radio station now i know before they were kind of operating as a pirate radio station um but they're now an official radio station um and we're not getting advertised or like sponsored by this whatsoever um so i just want to say well done to them um so yeah guys that's been done a the stands and as always any feedback whatsoever would be amazing so d-a-t-s-p-o-d on all social media platforms individually it's ease mckenzie i am N Tyrell, showerton and yeah you can find us anywhere on most streaming platforms and yeah that's all from us today peace